Hello and welcome to Notes from the Way. My name is Richard. This is the podcast where we get together every week, or nearly every week, to talk about what it's like to live the Christian life and what it means to live the Christian life in the 21st century. I did take a week off because of uh, some family concerns that I needed to take care of. I know that for many of you, a week without Notes from the Way is like, it's really like a week without sunshine, and I apologize for that. I hope you're able to carry on your lives with some sense of purpose and meaning. And uh, now, here we are, we're back. Anyway, uh, on a uh, slightly more serious note, if you have any questions or comments about the podcast, feel free to drop me a line, either at the blog that's attached to this podcast, which is uh, Notes from the Way. I almost forgot. It's notesfromtheway.blogspot.com. My email address is nftw, that's the initials for Notes from the Way, nftw at sbcglobal.net. I always look forward to uh, hearing from you, hearing what you're thinking and uh, commenting about. Now, let's uh, look at a story from the news. Okay, this story is from the Christian Post at uh, christianpost.com. The headline is, Atheist Billboard Campaign Hits Phoenix. It's from last week. Let me read a little bit of it to you. It says, Billboards touting freedom from religion and separation of church and state are going up all around the downtown Phoenix area. The Freedom From Religion Foundation, based in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, paid advertising company CBS Outdoor to put up five signs around Phoenix that read, Imagine No Religion. And this is something we're going to see more of. We already are seeing a lot more of uh, activism, if you want to call it that, from atheists and agnostics, from people who have no uh, no faith to speak of, or at least they have a faith in no God. I think atheism actually is a faith, but it's a faith that doesn't involve God. So there is an increase in this kind of activism. The question is, how do we react to it as believers? My first inclination when I read this is to do something bigger than they do. You know, my reaction, if they're going to put up five billboards in Phoenix, my first reaction is, man, we've got to put up 10 billboards or 15 or 20. Man, we've got to blow them out of the water. We've got to show them that we are a bigger group than they are. I'm not sure if that's the Christian reaction. You know, we live in a society where might makes right and bigger is better. But that doesn't always work for the kingdom of God. It, it strikes me that when I read these uh, people who claim to have uh, no belief in God whatsoever, they're sure that there is no God, that many of them act like people who are angry. And I wonder if a lot of times that anger doesn't come from hurt, uh, where they've been hurt by religion or by people who claim to be Christians. So I think our response maybe should be informed by that, that um, you know, well, there's a lot of people out there that claim to be atheists or agnostics or just don't want to have anything to do uh, with church or with religion, but really they're reacting not so much out of a uh, they're out of the fact that they're discounting God, but they're just reacting from something that's happened to them. Sometimes we forget about the fact that everybody has a history. We don't always know what that history is, but we, everybody has a history. And if somebody's been hurt or injured by someone who is in a religious authority position, they're going to be likely to reject that authority and reject that religion. And in the same way, reject God, even though they're not really rejecting God, if you understand what I'm saying, they're actually rejecting what happened to them in the past. So I think it's important that we not overreact to people when they come out and they're militant and they're angry. 
But instead, we, we react in love. And there's nothing wrong with conversing with people, and I believe that Christians should all understand why it is that we believe in God, why it is that we believe that Jesus was the Son of God and that he died and he rose again. And we'd be able to explain our beliefs. But being able to explain something intellectually, even being able to explain it well, doesn't always reach the heart of what's going on with a person. And we need to remember that. We need to be able to answer questions. The Bible talks about being able to give a reason for the hope that lies within us. We also need to respond realizing that we really are a new creation in Christ, and atheists have nothing. They really do have nothing, but we have the Holy Spirit with us, and we are a new creation, and we are able to do things that they can't do. We can respond in love in ways that other people can't do. So I would just like for us to, when we see stories like this, and we see it happening in our communities all around us, that we not overreact, and we certainly shouldn't react in anger or stridency or militancy, but we react in love. Jesus said that people should be able to look at the good works we do and glorify our Father in heaven. And that should be the focus of the church is love and good works. Not that we're not able to explain what we believe, not that we're not able to respond in love in a way that we share our beliefs and we share our faith that is a reasonable faith with people who are willing and open to hearing it. But sometimes we have to prepare that soil with our love and with our good works. In fact, I would say always we have to prepare that soil with our love and with our good works. And to remember that the reality is that even if you don't believe that God is there, he's there. And even if people don't believe in God, that God still sent Jesus to die. He died for their sins. And he died, the Bible says that he died not for just for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. And we need to remember that when we're dealing with people who claim to not believe in God at all. They still need Jesus. We are the Jesus they're going to see. How are we going to respond to that? If we respond only with power and anger, they're going to say, hey, Christianity is just another system of power and control. But when we respond in love and good works and with a, a reasonable response to the questions people have about our faith, I think that shows that our faith is real. And I think we can pray and expect that God will open the eyes of some people that are claiming to be atheists, claiming to be have, claiming to have no religion whatsoever. Our response to those people needs to be one of love and graciousness, even when we disagree with them, even when they're angry and trying to put up billboards saying that there's no religion and God doesn't exist. We can still respond in a way that's loving and caring and yet stands up for the truth of what we believe. But we can't leave out the love. You know, Jesus said, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples by your love one for another. Something to remember, love is the way we're characterized. Love is the way we're branded as being believers in Jesus. And that's it for this uh, section. Let's look to something from the scriptures. Okay, and the scripture I've been thinking about for the last several days is in Psalm chapter 20. I've been thinking about it because as I record this, it's right in the middle of the political season. Uh, you have the Democratic National Convention that, that went on last week from when I'm talking right now. And we're right in the middle of the Republican National Convention. This is the time in our country where we choose sides. Some of us are Democrats, some are Republicans, some are uh, Libertarians, some are this, some are that. 
some are liberal, some are conservative, and everybody chooses sides. Sometimes I think there is a tendency for all of us, not just Christians, but I'll talk to Christians especially, for us to think that one party or another or one candidate or another is the one we have to put all of our, our trust into, and he's going to lead us to victory and lead us almost to the promised land, if I can use that sort of, uh, that sort of imagery. When really that's not true. And I was reading this passage from Psalm chapter 20. I just wanted to read a couple of verses. And I want to read it in the King James because the way it's translated is really cool here. And starting in verse 6, it says, Now I know that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen but we are risen and stand upright. What this passage is talking about is the fact that in everybody's life, individually and as a country also, but as individuals especially, there come times when trouble hits us. Sometimes it hits just out of the blue. We never see it coming. Other times it's something that kind of comes up on us slowly and we see it coming. But when there's trouble, what are we going to do? This passage here gives us two choices first one is to run and that's what it talks about some trust in horses and some trust in chariots the word that's used there for trust is a word that means where you go for protection or refuge and it's where you run to when trouble comes the psalmist is saying when trouble comes some people are going to trust in power they're going to trust in money they're going to trust in position and that's fine but that's not where God's people should be putting their trust. God's people should not be running. They should be remembering. And that's what he talks about. The second part of that is that we will remember the Lord our God. Remembering is remembering what God has done for us. Remember who he is. Remembering is a big theme in scripture. I mean, Jacob was called to set up an altar to remember when he encountered God. Uh, Joshua and the people of Israel, when they cross the Jordan River, there's a, a point where God parts the Jordan River, so they cross over on dry land, and then just as they're crossing, God says, I want you to build an altar here in the, the bed of the Jordan River uh, so that people will see this and remember what I did for you on this day. We do the same thing when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, when we celebrate communion. It's our chance to remember what Christ has done for us. So many of us live our lives that we're running for protection instead of remembering who God is and that God is able to stand with us in the midst of any trouble that we have. And when I say that we shouldn't be trusting in our leaders, what I mean is not that we shouldn't vote because we should vote. I believe that we're in a society where we're able to choose people who most uh, reflect our beliefs, most reflect our values, and I think we should do that. But that's not where we should put our trust. Those aren't the people that we should be putting our faith in because people are always going to disappoint us. No matter how much we think they stand for what we stand for, or no matter how much we think that they are, uh, even that we think they're people of God, we should never be putting our trust in those people. Our trust is only in the Lord. We need to remember what it is that he's done for us. It's one of the reasons why we get together with other believers uh, on a regular basis, like the scripture tells us to, is because we're able to see what God is doing. When we go to church, when we go to fellowship with other believers, 
we're able to see what God is doing in that person's life, in that person's life. And that's why we need to be involved with each other in what we're doing is because we need to be built up. We need to remember often, always, what God is doing. It's so easy to forget. It's so easy to think that I'm all alone out here on this little island and you know God's not working in me. Well, maybe I don't see where God is working in me, but I can see where he's working in someone else and I can be encouraged to keep going. I can be encouraged that God is, even if I don't see it right now, that God really is at work in this world. So just keep in mind what this passage says that we don't need to run to leaders or run to uh, even uh, prophets or priests or kings for refuge. We need to remember two things. We need to remember who God is. He's our creator. He's our sustainer. He's our savior. He's our father and we're his children. And we need to remember what he's done. The history of the world is really the history of God working in favor of his people. And we need to remember that no matter how bleak things may look, that we can stand strong because God is in control. He knows everything that's going on in our lives. He cares about what's happening. And because he loves us, he's working all things that happen for our good. I hope that's encouraging to you. I know it is to me, just the thought that God is the one that we can remember exactly what he's done for us and that he's continuing to work in our lives. All right, well, that's it for this week. I hope you've been encouraged, motivated, inspired in some way to uh, serve our Lord or to just to take a step out in faith this week. If you have any questions or comments, please go to the blog and let us know what you think. Let me know what you're thinking. The blog is notesfromtheway.blogspot.com. Email is nftw at sbcglobal.net. Until next week, God bless.